0: There will be no real, non-controlled currency in the world. We're coming for you, banks. Increasing the block size to 32 megabytes right now. What would be the top five arguments that would get um, hurled against me?
1: That's a good one. There there are a few that the big uh, blockers got right. Ching, like all these coins splash into the wallets of all the winners. I love that.
0: There's a new threat out there.
1: It's crypto.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency, this is episode number 107. Eric Wall Orb Response. Response today is Sunday, (laughs) the 4th of February, 2024. I'm your host, Jeremy. Jet is doing the producing. No guest today because, although we sort of have a pseudo guest, which is Eric Wall's uh, contributions on Twitter and uh, online, but we'll get into all that. Uh, Essentially, I'm going to do a full... Breakdown of, I don't really want to call it an incident because that makes it sound really negative, but this sort of developing situation uh, we've had with me asking him a question through his orb. Well, I'll explain all what that's about. What he said, he wrote a two and a half thousand word sort of essay in response, and I'm going to read out the full thing and then also give my own thoughts and then how other people reacted. Now, I'm very conscious that listeners to the show are coming into this situation. Some of them, I know the hardcore have right up to speed with this, but the vast majority don't have no context really on any of this, uh, or maybe only some, if you've, you've heard me mentioning Eric Wall in previous episodes. So we're going to go through it right from the start. As per usual, we've got to just quickly check in with the price. So today, Bitcoin Cash, is 236 dollars and 32 us cents which is flat one btc is 181.4 bch which is down slightly and one ethereum is 9.7 bch which is flat now before we get into it jet you just want to give a little update on i don't know how you're doing and also uh what's your context uh coming into this for Curiously.
1: Alright, so how I'm doing. if you guys listen to the general protocols Twitter space I did uh close to a month ago now. No update from there. Still slammed, too busy for my own good. Uh and still like eager and open to do new things. So it seems like every time I'm like, no, maybe I shouldn't. I'm still gonna end up doing it anyway. Uh so gotta figure out time management. That's the next skill I gotta work on. Uh but as far as me going into this, I feel like I'm the audience. Uh, my exposure to Eric Wall is just what we cover on this podcast. I never followed him beforehand. I didn't ever watch any of his videos or podcasts. I would get little spicy clips here and there, maybe if it was making its uh, rounds on Twitter. But aside from that, I just get to kind of enjoy the chaos of this show. Uh, so i don't know i I mentioned this before we started filming too it was kind of interesting to see how excited people were to get eric's response to all this and seeing not just from the bitcoin cash people but from all these different communities being like like even some people being like eric admits that big blocks were the way to go which was absolutely not what was said but uh So I I, get to that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of get to watch this as just someone without any kind of social skin in the game, uh, which is nice.
0: (laughs) So, all right. So let's start at the beginning here then. So who is Eric Wall? So my understanding of Eric Wall actually kind of came into the picture a bit late because he is a former Laser Eye small blocker. So in the whole Bitcoinverse you know, civil war, the block size war, 2015 to 2017, he was on the small block side and not just in passing, but very, very passionately so. And he jumped on board the whole hype train with the laser eyes. And I guess he spent a lot of time explaining the big blockers were wrong and all that. I was actually mostly unaware of that because he might have been big on Reddit. I don't know, but I don't think so. He basically was big on Twitter, which is where the conversation moved to after all the Reddit censorship and so forth, right? And even at the time, I don't think he was super big in the Twitter discussion there. He got uh, quite big by calling out Richard Hart's scam hex as a scam. And then the Hex community all piled onto him and then he trolled them back and then through that way, you know, got a lot of, uh, strides and effect and got sort of known in crypto, right? Through that, uh, at least in part, I've heard him talk about that before, right? So he was, yeah, maybe not so much in the, in the zeitgeist, at least maybe his perspective would be different. I don't, I don't know. But from my perspective anyway, he wasn't actually that big in the block size war, but, Somehow or another, he became big, and then by the time I jumped onto Twitter in 2021, which was already kind of down the line, he already had a significant following, especially among the, the small-block laser-eye guys, and he was very proudly on that side. Now, he, re- he started to realize that that was the wrong side, or I maybe I'm mischaracterizing what he would say about that, but he, he started to realize there were some problems with that point of view in the sort of 2021 2022 maybe later in that later in 2022 uh period and subsequently he co-founded taproot wizards with his mate udi wertheimer so as his uh you know process of unraveling all these sort of lies and even just misconceptions he had the way he thought it was going to play out sort of started to come apart, right? As the crypto narrative went along. Uh, not everyone can afford to be as consistent as the Bitcoin Cash podcast, which has one message, which is <laughs> mostly correct. Uh, everybody else is sort of figuring it out in real time, right? And so he was then quoted in our intro last year. So for anybody who you know knows what he says, that whole lightning versus big blocks were like, were we the bad guys? Were we the ones that weren't listening? That's him. That's Eric Wool, right? So uh, he uh, kind of started to realize that this whole Lightning Network stuff was bullshit and he had been overhyped and he'd sort of bought into the Kool-Aid there and he started realizing that the laser eyes were uh, anti-progress and had sort of sabotaged Bitcoin in various ways. So he started up Taproot Wizards with his mate Udi Wertheimer and they then uh, had a huge impact through the Ordinals thing, right? We're now in a situation where there are multiple competing camps in the BDC side, but the earliest fragmentation that became publicly uh, visible so much was kind of the Laser Eyes, who are the the, the classical uh, toxic maximalists, the small blockers, descendants from the big from the block size War, and then now there's the Taproot wizards right who were happy to have ordinals and were sort of thinking maybe we should upgrade the the protocol maybe we should uh you know try and get some of this innovation that happened in ethereum and in defi into bitcoin right and Where did we get lost along the way such that Bitcoin was once a progressive chain, like I've talked about on this show many times, the original maximalism and the way it still is in BCH is you've got to pay attention to your competition. If they're doing good stuff, you should uh, take that on board and try and learn and innovate from that, right? But uh, Eric started to realize, wait a second, I'm in the same boat with all these guys who are saying we not going to uh, change things. Bitcoin is perfect money, 21 million, store of value is going to take over the world, blah, 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 right? So he became a bit disillusioned with that. Now, he's also been not maybe heavily involved in so much, but he's very aware of and, well, I don't know, actually... The, the details, but he's he's a bit more involved in Ethereum, right? He's not one of those people who's just shut off the rest of crypto. It's all scams, and I disavow all of it. He's been paying attention to Ethereum and likely invested in it, and uh, follows what the development that goes on there. He has a lot of respect for the Ethereum developers and the Ethereum community and so forth. So he's trying to bring some of that into BTC because he can see that. There's a lot of value and a lot of things going on there that a lot of the laser rides just are completely either oblivious to or actively just dismiss it all as scams, right? Now, he has a pretty big Twitter following. Like I said, at the time when the podcast started, it was, I don't know, maybe like 80 or 90,000. Uh, now it's about 140,000. And he's very influential in the broader crypto conversation, right? as a result of firstly being involved for quite a long time but also being quite controversial with the whole taproot wizards thing it's you know he's got a, he's got a lot of play he's got a very big big voice in the in the scene right and from a from a quite an interesting vantage point right because he's sort of in the btc camp but some of them are also trying to reject him And at the same time, he does have exposure to the other scenes, but he's not really deep on any of those. And as far as I know, he's not really a developer at all. I'm sure he might have poked around with technical stuff a little bit, but he's more of a sort of commentator type, I guess I would say. Like he knows a lot and he does a lot of research and so forth. But as far as I know, he's not a programmer. He hasn't built any apps sort of directly, but obviously he has enough money and resources or that he can hire other people to be involved in his projects, such as the Taproot Wizards. He's just more of a yeah, like a an intellectual is really maybe the word. He's more of a thinker. But he doesn't he that's the thing. Besides his Twitter account, as far as I'm aware, he he doesn't have his own podcast or his own platform in that sense. He does go on other people's things, and sometimes the Taproot Wizards host Twitter Spaces. But he he's yeah he's not in the podcaster camp. He's not in the dev camp. He's not in the sort of entrepreneur camp necessarily. Again, he does have Taproot Wizards, but he's just in a sort of unique middle ground between a lot of a lot of different things, uh, both. In terms of his influence in the scene as well as his place within crypto now you also need to understand that he has a very like i said he's quite intellectual he really likes debates and rational reasonable arguments and that kind of thing but he also has quite a combative personality which is of course probably magnified on twitter uh, as it is for many many people but even outside Twitter, he has himself acknowledged that he has quite a combative personality and that does play into the way that he sees the world and so forth. And he loves getting in dunks on people who make claims that are then proven wrong and, he, you know, you can shit talk them afterwards and say, ha-ha, you were wrong and so forth. So he is... Well, we'll see. That that sort of plays into the rest of, of everything that, that kind of happened and we'll we'll see some more examples of that in a minute. So I think that's the rough again, that's obviously in my words. I don't want to I don't want to put any words in his mouth. Everyone else can look at his content and his Twitter feed and watch podcasts with him and stuff. There's a bunch out there and get, <laughs> get his version of himself you know i'm never going to give the full the full picture of somebody else for them but that's my basic explanation jet is is that making sense or is there something missing
1: i think that makes sense um yeah i don't think i've ever seen anything i think like i know him the most for the the stuff on the, the next slide so
0: <laughs> okay yeah, all right yeah yeah so that's uh, that's the that's the basics of it. that's eric Wall. okay now Eric, being who he is, he he has these sort of different uh, projects and long-running interests, I guess you could say. So we're going to fill in a bit of the context here. It's really important to understand what happens later. So the first is he has his Tungsten Cubes series. So like I said before, he loves debates, and he also likes predictions. He makes a predictions thread every year or he has for the last couple of years in the last year, he made 30 predictions and he got 22 of them right. And this is from a broad array of things like, you know, um, what would Vitalik be interested in? What would the crypto scene move in? Sometimes he predicts the prices, sometimes he predicts a random different chain will just suddenly rise into prominence, a lot of different things like that. And getting 22 out of 30 is, is pretty good and i think the year before that he maybe also got 22 out of 30 and he's just published his 2024 one so people who are interested can look into that right but so he does like predictions and thinking about the future and, and so forth i guess like a lot of people who were early into crypto right they were very future oriented so when he needs to call out somebody who has like a really stupid opinion that he wants to provably demonstrate like you're an idiot and really rub it in, he has this thing where he bets them a tungsten cube. So tungsten is the most dense metal or maybe element by volume, if I'm remembering right. So even a very small amount of this metal is ridiculously heavy. And it became this kind of meme in the Bitcoin community that 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 was a cool thing tungsten was a cool thing so he started this uh series of tungsten cube bets so if he encounters somebody who is making some stupid outlandish ridiculous claims and he wants to put them in their place he will say do you would you like to bet a tungsten cube on this right so i think the actual cost of the cubes Uh, I think they do like 1.5 inch cubes or something like that is maybe $500 or, or, or something. And he says that that's kind of about the right price point where it's not, it's not really about the money, but it's significant enough that it's not just words on Twitter. Right? So he has bet several people on various different things about these tungsten cubes And as far as I know, he's won every time because the way he does it is he makes a bet with somebody and if he wins, they have to buy him one of these 1.5-inch tungsten cubes and he gets their name and their face engraved on it (laughs) so that he can forever after have his collection there and think, yeah, I just destroyed this complete idiot, Uh, right? But if the other person wins, which I believe so far nobody has they win the entire collection. I think that's how it works. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think you said before that the idea is every person that he bets against, it's like they're putting up their one cube against his entire set. And if somebody beat him in one of these tungsten cube bets, he would give the entire collection to them. And then I guess that new person could maybe continue the tradition if they wanted or, you know... uh so it's really important to understand that it's a big deal for him that he has a flawless record. So right now as far as I can tell he he's 5 and 0, I think. There might be maybe there's one or two more, maybe there's six or seven, but in this photo that I've got, he's got five of them and I yeah, I don't think I don't think there's more, maybe there's six, I doubt there's seven. But that's, that's his record, right? He's 5-0. Oh. So who has he been betting against? He's bet against Adam Back and Brad Mills and a couple other people that, are, uh, you know, I don't even really know who they are or what all the bets were. But the, the key point is that they were mostly these sort of other laser-eyed BTC people, right? So you can understand how he's been able to win some bets against them because they have a lot of stupid takes. So he's... Capitalized on that and turned it into this thing about the tungsten cubes. So, what he hasn't done, at least as far as I'm aware, is start tungsten cube betting against people outside of sort of the BTC space. It's more his way of dunking on the laser eyed people. But the the same concept could apply to anyone else, at least in theory. Now, he hasn't made any Tungsten cube bets against me and nor am I super interested in that personally. If he offered, I wouldn't, you know, I guess it would depend on what the, what the bet was, but in, in general, I, I think it's a cool concept, but I have no immediate desire to really be <laughs> involved, involved in this. Now, like I said, it's, it, he, it's key that he, has a flawless record and he wins all of them, which means that he has said before that he will only make a bet over the tungsten cubes with people once he believes. Of course, it's just his opinion, but in his opinion, he's basically already won. And so the bet, like anybody who's on the receiving end of these bets, should by now be very aware that he already thinks that they've completely lost. Like with not even a small hope of coming back, uh, but the, obviously the fun for him like I said, he likes Twitter and he likes Dunks and he likes intellectual debate, is that the person who's bet against him kind of spends the period of the bet trying to figure out like how or why they lost, which he already knew at the start, but they didn't know until later, maybe not until even after they have to actually give him the cube, right? <laughs> That's kind of the fun for him. So Maybe this is filling in a little bit of his, you know, personality. What kind of person would A, come up with this system, and then B, heartily enjoy it. All right. It's a very
1: cool, unique thing. Following me here, Jet? I feel like it'd be fun for the first cube and then you just end up with a bunch of these heavy fucking cubes. Like if you want to move, sure, they're not big, but Jesus, it's just like so much extra weight that you've got to around. The novelty <laughs> would wear off real quick. Well, it would
0: for you, but yeah. for him, it's like I ha- now have a permanent record of these. Uh, all these people I've wrecked. So, so Eric has these Thompson cubes, right? Okay. Next thing. So Eric also has an orb. Right. So, what what is what is an orb? I've got a picture of it here on the slide, although it's it's just a picture. It's the uh, like purple floating sphere which has this liquid inside it, this sort of juice, and it sparkles as well too. Now, that's just the picture on the website, but actually, it's an Ethereum smart contract, which the Oh, like you can buy it. it. It's he puts it on auction. He puts his orb on auction, and you can buy it if you outbid everybody else who tries to bid on it. And if you win, then you can ask Eric one question per week. It takes uh, once you ask him a question, it goes on cooldown, and then nobody can ask him a question for a, another seven days. And he has seven days. He has that like recharge period to answer. The question that he's been asked so he has written on his website and in his you know publicity of this that this is his way of essentially charging people to ask him questions right but the point is that because he is bound to answer the questions no matter what they are with some exceptions, he's you know, you can't ask him, like, what's the password to your Twitter account? Or you can't ask him, like, how do I hack your best friend or something like that. You know, it can't be something that puts someone in danger or something like that. But it's a way of him uh, making a sort of – a kind of game out of people being able to ask him questions. Obviously, it also makes him money. The money that people bid on the orb, if they win, then goes to him. But I don't think – I don't think it's really so much about the about the money. Obviously, he does make money from it, but I don't think that's his motivation to do it. Now, it's a super cool idea because he's trying to pioneer or at least uh, publicize or add weight to this idea of usable NFTs, right? We're familiar in crypto with NFTs, especially the broader crypto ecosystem as just... You know, JPEGs is the the common saying, right? Just buying the rights to a, a JPEG, which anybody can copy and paste. And but anyway, you know, people argue over whether they own it and so forth. So that's that's got as far as it's got, but Eric is trying to move the conversation forward to we should have more exciting things to do with NFTs than that, right? So this is his one way of doing that, is he's created this orb which is not supposed to just be a display piece of artwork or a tradable piece of artwork. It's supposed to be a useful thing that has special significance and properties. Now, obviously, it's conceived of as an orb because he can kind of see into the future or you can see into his mind or however you want to conceive of it with his orb. And it fits his theme of the Taproot Wizards, right? He is like, I'm a wizard, I have a magic orb. If you have my orb, you can ask me a question, right? So it all ties together. Now, he's not the only one who has uh, an orb. He also has a couple of his other mates have got one. Nick Carter has one, and one or two others have one, Uh, although I'm not really too sure who they are. There's a couple of other ones, basically. There's maybe like three or four total. Uh, But he was the one who came up with it first. And so far as I know, the other ones that have orbs, also it's the same deal. You get the orb, you can ask them a question. But he has said in the past that that's not essential to the orb concept, right? Like maybe he would have somebody who would have some kind of different orb who, you know, once per week, the owner of that orb could, you know, I don't know, ask a favor from the the person who whose orbit was, or they could, you know, I don't, I don't know what it would be. Maybe you could use someone's orb to tweet on Elon Musk's Twitter account. If Elon had an orb or something, something like that, right. Could be anything. Now the important point about the orb in terms of accountability is that there is no direct mechanism or accountability if he falls through so if somebody asks him a question he has seven days to answer and he's promised that he will answer and the question or at least the introduction of a question the hash of the question is posted to the ethereum blockchain when somebody asks it so he has seven days and if he doesn't then the, there's no like direct accountability but there's indirect accountability because somebody can say look here on the ethereum blockchain i asked a question you didn't answer in this given window so i'm calling you out like you this, your credibility is shot and the point being that if his credibility you know takes that hit then he will ne- he will not be able to continue making money or at least experimenting with this with this orb right but there's no like you know, crypto police, or there's no he hasn't mm-hmm. locked like a, a deposit in the in the orb. That would be pretty cool if he did that. Actually, if he put like a hundred grand into the orb or something, if he didn't answer in seven days, then it paid out the person who asked the question, or something like that would be kind of cool. But he has he hasn't done that, right? That now mm-hmm. there's another thing about this orb is like I said, it's supposed to be about utility. So the idea is not that somebody could buy it and just hoard it or save it or whatever, like people do with these art NFTs. So his mechanism to stop that is a thing called harburger taxes, which is basically when somebody buys the orb, they buy, like I said, they buy it at auction, right? So they buy it for a certain price and then it has a certain amount of like juice in it. And that is constantly taxed away For owning the orb, so I can't remember. I you know I don't really know what the specifics are, but the tax rate is six hundred percent per year. So if you buy the orb for one ETH, then it will constantly drain away your one ETH that you paid into it in like two months, right? Because it's six hundred percent. So it would cost six ETH. For one year, if you kept topping it up to keep holding onto it for one year. And when you buy it, so if you buy it for one ETH, the tax is going to tax you at six ETH per year. So you run out in two months. And at the same time, because you bought it for one ETH, it also goes on auction again at like a higher price. Uh, Let me think, Is is this right? So it goes on auction at a higher price. No, the tax rate is not set by how much you paid. Sorry. The tax rate is set based on how much you list it for sale. So you buy it for one ETH and then let's say you list it for sale for two ETH, which means anybody else can come in and buy it uh, buy it off you for two ETH, but then you're being charged at 12 ETH per year. So you can set the price to steal it essentially from you as high or low as you want. But the higher you set the price, the bigger the tax that you're paying. So it's set up that not one person is going to just grab it and just hold on to it forever because as you're holding on to it, your money is, is draining away. And if you put a low price to buy it, then it's obviously a better deal for somebody else to buy it and start asking Eric questions. Whereas if you put a really high price, it's going to cost you a lot. You run out of money sooner or later and or eat. Eric is getting rich. So he doesn't care if you hold on to his orb as much at some ridiculously high tax rates. Right? So that's also very cool. I, li- I like this kind of experimentation with different economic concepts. It's very in the crypto ethos. Uh, right. And there's one final element to the Orb, which is that the answers, when you ask him a question with the Orb, you can choose whether you want the answer to be public or private. So if you don't care, I guess you, the questions are always public. But the answers are either public or private. If you choose public, they'll be public. If you choose private, then only the owner of the orb can read the the question that has replied, that he uh, has replied to, right? So, what that means is if somebody asks a private question and it says, you know, so and so asked Eric a question, here's what the question is, and then it says private answer then somebody else might think, I also want to know the answer to that question. So that's another incentive for them to buy the orb because then they can read the previous private responses, obviously with some delay, because the person who originally got like, if somebody asked Eric, what's going to be the best investment in 2024, then the first person to get that info would have an advantage. And then if somebody else later bought it to get access to that secret info, they would obviously have it with some time delay. Now, when you buy the orb, you have the option to make the previous private answers, any or all of them, public if you choose to, which actually makes a lot of sense because you kind of need to have that mechanism by default because otherwise somebody could just buy the orb and just screenshot his answers and post them up publicly if they wanted to anyway. So it's kind of just codified into it. That if you get the orb, you can either read the previous private answers, which maybe you just want to read and be the second person or the third person or the fifth person in the world with this access to this incredible wizardly knowledge, right? Or you can just say, fuck it, I don't care. And you can just publish it uh, to the whole world. I think that's that's everything relevant about the orb. Does that make sense? Jet, any questions on that?
1: Nope. I'm this uh, i think it's kind of cool with the uh the harbinger taxes i've never heard of that before
0: yeah i've never heard of it either and i think uh, again i want to say like this is a super cool concept Mm. i've liked this concept ever since i found out about it which was quite a while ago now how old is his orb that's a good question it's been around for a while but he has he sort of put it out of commission for a little while let's see here So somebody asked him a question 10 months ago was the first question on january oh no that's when i revealed it uh okay so 10 months ago basically somebody asked him a question so the first question he ever got asked for context was imagine now creating an l1 where 100 percent of the coins would be distributed to the community no allocations for vcs insiders team or foundations what would you consider to be the main challenges and then he's written a whole uh 1000 word uh, sort of response to that. Now this is uh you can go you can check out the orb yourself by the way at eric.orb.land and I think the others uh orbs are also there so if you could just go to orb.land you can look into all this yourself if you're thinking well this is pretty cool I want to find out more about this. So anyway, he had the 10 months ago uh somebody ox eight c4 something something bought it and then nine months ago paulie p-a-w-l-e dot eth bought it and asked him one two three four five six seven seven questions so paulie dot eth paid like tons of eth I think they paid fifteen e to buy it, and then asked him seven questions. So they paid stacks of how much is fifteen? It's like thirty grand, right? <laughs> I think they got some of it back. I don't think they held onto it Holy the goodness. whole the whole time. But it, well, you can see people take, You know, some people really wanted to get Eric's advice. Right? <laughs> uh,
1: Imagine making. Although at the
0: time, I think the ownership
1: for answering seven questions. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> all right i'm launching an orb. well you gotta get an orb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be, yeah.
0: when's fucking jets orb like let's go i'm not on twitter uh, but if you want to well somebody already made a bch orb you know uh jonas shout out to jonas who made he thought this was a cool concept so he oh, made a proof cool. of concept of it on Damn. bch okay i it think was i remember a while ago
1: yeah i remember his reply tweet and i it went over my head completely and i was like i don't know what this is i'm glad this is a, a a thing that we're kind of enticing people with though maybe i'll take another look into that
0: yeah yeah so it so it is possible like uh it is possible to do it on bch Obviously with cash tokens and all that scripting update upgrades and stuff. Uh so for it's possible orbs will come to BCH at some point, whether Eric launches them or you know anybody else is free to do it, right? The concept uh is there. Okay. So currently, right, the the orb is owned by somebody who has 1.559 ETH of uh funding in, in it. So they've got enough to last until February the twenty-eighth. Because they set the orb price to four Ethereum, so currently it's like about eight grand, nearly like nine thousand US dollars, uh, to if you want to go and grab the orb yourself, like right now.
1: Uh, Wait, but it's also
0: on on cooldown.
1: Yeah. So if the if someone's like taxes or like their like. The money that they put in to hold on to the orb,
0: the juice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Juice. I think it's he calls it the juice. It's this purple <laughs> stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. So if the, the orb juice. runs out of the lean, then
0: uh... yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> what does does it just go on auction it at a cheaper price? Oh, and
0: well, then, then Eric has to. Think to... If they run out. It goes back to him, and then he can like put it up for auction again. Okay. All right. Or maybe it automatically goes on auction, but if if you run out of uh, yeah money, then it just goes back to him. Uh, but of course, like you would, you would. That's the thing. So this guy has one point five ETH, and it covers until the February the twenty eighth. So he would know that. I guess if he doesn't pay attention, it will just run out. But probably he's thinking like on February the twenty sixth. I'm going to top up some more eth into it if I want to hold on to it right gotcha. or maybe lower the price that I've got it set at so that the uh, so that I can extend my runway on my existing juice right and it's a pretty, it, again it's a very cool concept like this whole this whole thing so if somebody uh, you know buys you out if somebody pays your orb price to get the orb off you then if you set that at a higher price than you bought the orb then you're making a profit as well. Eric's making profit because he got the juice while it was running. But you're making a profit if somebody wants the ore badly enough to to grab it off you. So it's also kind of cool that you can conceivably ask a question and get paid for having asked it because the next person really wants to be asking the next question or they want to read the private answers to the previous questions, right? Okay, so I think think that's the full... uh, Explanation of of the orb, and that's that's going to come into it in a moment uh, in a moment too. Okay, so that's Eric's crypto uh, weaponry that he's got. He's got the tungsten cubes, and he's got the the orbs, uh, orb with the purple orb with the juice, the lean, like you said. <laughs> right now, I also have crypto weaponry, but it's uh, of a different kind. So this is important context is. I started a Twitter thread calling out Eric on the 19th of June, 2023. So the first tweet in this thread says, Red exposing Taproot Wizard's cognitive dissonance. The quote, gigabrain Bitcoin rebels, end quote, frantically refusing to acknowledge hashtag Bcashes are right, always were. Thread grows slash damage escalates till at Eric Wall or at Udi Wertheimer, quote, tweet this to beg, surrender. Follows 4,655. And then I have a link to Money Printer Go Burr, Caramel Dancing Meme Tribute, which is a great video. Uh, you should look that up. Caramel Dancing, Money Printer Go Burr, which is this uh, Japanese anime girl dancing around as those uh, crying... Rage face emoji guys at the Fed like churn out new cash. So in this thread, which again is about seven months old at this point, I started documenting lots of the stupid contradictory stuff that Eric and Udi said, basically, or they were saying, like as it as it went along. So as of right now, there's 24 (laughs) posts in this thread and the, the header post has 13.3 thousand views, which is not tons in the grand scheme of things, but it's been referred to enough times and it's been linked around enough places that it's got some decent traction. Now it's important to note that I didn't just do this to be an asshole. (laughs) Even if Eric might think that I only started this thread after I'd already tried on multiple occasions to talk to him and talk to Udi in a very friendly, approachable way, but they were completely ignoring me, right? Uh, And so if they were going to ignore me and not want to chat, well, then I was going to ramp up the pressure, you know, (laughs) to force the issue. So I started this thread and I've been slowly documenting all the different copes and lies and cognitive dissonance. Were we the bad guys? Uh, we have the one in the intro this year, which is uh, Vitalik asking uh, them, why why can't we raise to 32 megabyte blocks? Uh, There's several other things in there, right? Some of the stupidest stuff they said, I've got it all screenshotted, all uh, categorized, all archived, it's all there. Like I said, 24 uh, posts. And then if Eric was saying some more stupid stuff, I would reply to him and I would put a link to the... Uh, to this thread in there so that if anybody else was reading what was going on and they were wondering why was I just coming at him with all this vitriol out of nowhere, they could see that this is this is the history of what's what's going on. This isn't entirely, like, without, without context, uh, right? So, yeah, I want to be very clear that, firstly, uh, I did try and engage with them the nice way, but they didn't want to do it that way. They wanted to do it the hard way, so I did this. And then secondly neither of them um really wanted to respond because they could have stopped that again like the, the i put all the power in their hands this is my version of the you know gamification of crypto is the, all the is they could have stopped it at any time all they had to do was retweet and say please stop and i would of course the i've you know put the the cheese in the rat trap right like to to get me to stop, they have to retweet it to all their own followers and expose all the stupid stuff that they've said that I've documented, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it is a little bit of a cruel game in that way, but I only did that, like I said, uh, and I even wrote in the thread, guys, look, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but if you're going to keep ignoring me, you're going to keep coming up with this stupid stuff, then, then this is the way it goes. And like I said, you have to know that Eric himself is the kind of person that loves Twitter dunks and screenshotting people from years ago. Ha ha, you said this wrong. The tungsten cubes is kind of the same thing, right? So it's not really, it's not, you know, like this kind of thing would be very cruel to do to, uh, you know, just your regular person. But Eric is the kind of personality that is pretty hard for him to feel that it's, you know, unjustified or it would be pretty hypocritical of him not to really like this kind of thing because he is one of the biggest purveyors of of Twitter dunks and all that. Plus as well, obviously I have a far smaller account, which is also part of the issue. I only had like, when I started the thread, I had 4,665 followers. And I put that in the, in the header as well too. So that by the time he or Udi uh, retweeted it to ask for surrender, people could look and see at what point did this become unbearable, right? <laughs> Was it at 5,000 followers? Was it at 10,000? Was it at 100,000, right? I'm putting an implicit bet there that my account is going to keep growing and therefore the pressure is going to ramp up. So it's... uh Yeah, you know, it's like it's like saw, it's like jigsaw. I've given them, I've given him the keys to their own (laughs) escape, Uh, but in a very, in a very uh, cruel
1: inflicted um, way. Hold on, you hear that, listeners? Anyway, it has (laughs) come. We need a meme of uh, jigsaw, (laughs) but it's Jeremy going, Eric. Ooh, I'd like to (laughs) play. (laughs) (laughs)
0: well would you like to play a game (laughs) so yeah there there you go that's um anyway you know
1: just coming out on the tricycle with like a i'm I'm joking yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly uh
0: and like you know like i'm joking about it but it is in all honesty you know this is this is custom designed for for eric Particularly, also partly for Udi, but particularly for Eric, it it plays into every you know aspect of this. Like I I did I didn't just do this randomly. Like I I thought about this uh, quite carefully. You know, he loves Twitter. He loves dunking on people. He was ignoring me, and I had to get some way that he would pay attention. You know, he I, he, I I'm sure I well I will see at some point. Uh, it will be interesting to get his takes on whether he thought this was at least interesting or like you can see similar to the tungsten cubes and the orb. It's a gamified intellectual challenge of a, of of a sort. Uh, and I thought he would appreciate that, uh, at least, although of course it's never fun to be on the receiving end of it, but I thought there was, it would be at least a part of him that would kind of get it. Okay. So that's, that's the context. Okay. So, those are the those are the three uh, pieces of context that you need in the lead in to what happened. So basically about eight or nine days ago, Eric was tweeting out something about um, sort of crypto scaling, or let me just quickly look at what the actual thread uh, was here he uh said oh uh brad mills said i'm starting to think Udi is wrong liquid and rgb are gonna be you know fix um fix everything toxic wizards crying will be silenced blah 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 and then eric replied to him and said okay do you do you want to do a tungsten bet about this basically and then Callisti replied onto that tweet and said when are you going to take that tungsten cube bet against the BCH podcast? Now, like I've explained, I'm not super interested in being in a tungsten cube bet, but this both callisti and emergent reasons have had a lot of their version of trolling Eric for attention has been to point out to him well, if you're so confident in your tungsten cube bets and Bitcoin catches are so wrong and stupid. Why don't you make one against Jeremy, basically, right? And he's sort of, I guess, not responded or refused, you know, not really been interested in that because, like I explained, firstly, he would have to deal with all of his different copes that he had. But secondly, because uh, he would need something like I would need to be stupid enough to take a position that he was very, very, very sure I was wrong on, not even just somewhat sure, but very sure on. So, uh, Callisti poked him about that. Then uh, there was a bit more sort of chat in there. Uh, Reason blog got into the got into the thread and said, uh, Eric Wall's strategy towards confronting the reality that we we're right about almost everything is to just ignore it. And Eric said, right about what? That we have to abandon client-side verification in favor of scaling. Have you not heard about ZK proofs? There are lots of ways to achieve what you want to do without making that trade-off. Build a ZK roll-up on Celestia if you want to, if you want scale, you can validate. And then I got in there and I'm not going to read out the whole thread, but um, you know, suffice to say, there was a bit of uh shit talking and discussion of crypto scaling and uh all of this, right? Now uh the thread is linked on the slide so anybody can uh look it up and and read the full thing if you want. Now uh Eric got a bit upset in in this by my Twitter thread where I post, again, I posted that into the thread and he said, do you actually have any argument or you just want to link that thread you're linking in every post? So this was the first time I believe that he'd actually sort of acknowledged it. Um, and again, and then I sort of asked, him to um, explain to me why ZK roll-ups was such a great thing, you know, uh, because yeah, I did actually have questions. I'm, I'm not, obviously I was trolling him with the thread to get his attention, but that wasn't the whole point of it. And then he, and he said to me, look, you're in luck. I've just relaunched my orb. You can ask me a question. Why don't you buy it? There's no bids on it. So you can pick it up for just a few dollars. So, I said, "All right, fine." I mean, I th- I did think it was a little. It's a little bit sort of ridiculous that he kind of demanded that I pay for his orb because, and I pointed this out in the thread because he was saying that I was linking my thread to just sort of trying to avoid the the points of an actual discussion. But then he <laughs> simultaneously did the same thing by saying, "Well, pay for my orb if you want to have a discussion, right?" Uh, so he was kind of trying to dodge it himself. But nevertheless, I accepted, I said, okay, sure, fine, I'm, you know, uh, like I said, I've always liked the idea of the orb, and I like the kind of gamification to it, I think it's a cool idea, and if he wanted me to, you know, pay for it, as long as it wasn't an unreasonable amount, then... uh no problem. I'm I'm happy, I'm happy. to do that if if it would help us actually get to the bottom of this, get an answer, right? <laughs> so I accepted. I put an, a, a bid on the orb. Uh, I paid zero point zero one three three seven ETH, which is about twenty dollars, I think, of ETH or something. Anyway, not a ridiculous amount. Like well under a um, you know fifty dollars. <coughs> Although I will say, uh, Ethereum feeds add up fast. Like I was, it was like. swapping my money into ETH already cost me a few dollars and then putting on the bid on the orb cost like five or six dollars and then uh, invoking it cost uh, some dollars as well too so yeah we are truly blessed on BCH with these low fees because I cannot imagine anybody trying to use ETH on any kind of regular basis they'll be getting wrecked by fees so fucking fast Um you know, but anyway, so I accepted, I put in a a bid on the, on the orb and, uh, nobody else was really paying attention to the orb at this time. It seemed, uh, which was a fortunate thing, but you know, uh, Eric had sort of, he, again, he sort of baited the, baited the hook a little bit, right? He said, why don't you buy the orb and ask me a question? I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, if he'd then gone out and shouted out to everyone why don't you bid on this orb then it would have kind of defeated the defeated the point right if then somebody else coming in and bought it from what i never would have got to ask my question and i guess he wanted to show that the the orb uh, was a cool thing or i don't i don't really know why he uh sort of said you have to pay for the orb instead of just answering because he he spends all day, like he explained in the thread he said Look, it's cheap and you can, um, you know, just pick it up now. Like it's not a big deal, but I have, look, I'll just read his exact words. He said, it's like $3 for the gas fee and the minimum bid is $0. If you want me to educate you on the current status of blockchain scalability and why I'm confident in my observations that Bitcoin Cash makes a lot of unnecessary trade-offs, I think that's more than fair. I have a hundred people like you who want to ask me questions all day long. I built the orb so I can throttle the inbound requests I get and publish them all on a mutual platform for it so it's easy to browse. Please respect my time constraints to talk with rando B caches online. So I mean, again, it's a bit self-contradictory is that he says, like, I need to gate my time, which is really valuable, but then he says, it's really cheap, so there's no excuse not to do it. So again, it's a bit like, it's a bit nonsense, a bit ridiculous, but anyway, I said, all right, I'll do it. So I placed a bid, and 24 hours later, I I, I won the orb, so I had a chance to ask a question. You following me so
1: far, Jeff? Yep. Just, uh, watching the chat too hello everyone i do see your your comments nice to have you here yeah
0: okay uh the orb is insane says crampic stg right anyway so uh so i i did the bid and i won the orb now i have to give some credit to eric here Obviously, we've been antagonistic, but as I've explained, I think the orb is a cool idea. And also, I, you know, he, he's an OG bitcoiner, right? I do have plenty of respect for him in that sense. I also actually quite like Taproot Wizards, as I've explained on this show uh, before. So I think Eric's got a lot going for him, but obviously I can't put up with all his nonsense and cognitive dissonance. Anyway, he, uh, he sent me a DM about this. Uh, you know, this is the first DMs we've ever had. And he said, uh, basically, look, uh if you win the orb, you can ask even multiple questions, right? Usually you would only get to ask one question per seven day cycle, but very graciously, he said to me, look, you can ask multiple questions if you want, and I'll answer them in a, you know, in an honest fashion, like just ask, ask some questions and, uh, you know, and I'll answer them. Um, And he also said, "Look, like you've won, uh, so you know, ask a question. I'm not gonna make a big deal about. Look, my orb's been won until you've asked the question, because otherwise somebody could, you know, snatch the orb before I'd had the chance to get the question. And given that we'd been through this whole rigmarole for me to ask him a question, it's it would have kind of defeated the point, right? I, I mean, that's maybe something that he could improve with the orb. Maybe he could make it that." Once the, somebody wins the orb, they have like 48 hours where it can't be auctioned off. And then the auction starts again. I think that would be a cool improvement uh, to how it works. But that's just, you know, one suggestion to avoid this exact scenario. But the upshot is he was he was very, you know, gracious with me about that. So I have to give him uh, strong credit for that. So I said, yeah, no worries. You know, I was actually about to go to bed at the time when this happened so I just, you know, stayed up a little later and I wrote the questions. But if, I, if he hadn't messed me, you know, I probably wouldn't have noticed until the next day, so forth. So I had the chance to write in some questions. So my uh, questions that I submitted to the orb were in priority order. Number one, what evidence or change would or could cause you to abandon BTC and migrate yourself plus the wizards to BCH? Number two, why are BCH moderate block size increases non-viable and or mutually exclusive with improved layer twos, e.g. roll-ups? Question three, if you were running the BCH podcast, what would your promotional strategy be at the BCH podcast? So he then had seven days. Like I said, this was about eight or nine days ago, maybe eight days ago. So he then had seven days to answer these questions as per the terms of his Orb Oath. Now, in the intervening period in this seven days, he's also been launching his Quantum Cats Taproot Wizards NFT Mint at 0.1 BTC for over 12.5 million uh, USD in, in b 2 which has run into a bunch of problems and they've had to restart it on three separate occasions. So I don't know, but I assume he's had a pretty busy week with that. So as it was getting close to the end of the week, I was thinking maybe he's got distracted with this much more important, busier mint, and he's not going to actually follow through and answer. Like, you know, like, of course, his orb premise is that he will definitely answer, but he could always just not or maybe even just forget if suddenly his other project needed more attention. Right.
1: And how much time? But like, wasn't yeah, it like that he had uh, like a, an hour or something left to reply when he finally? Yeah.
0: Yeah. He hadn't replied with under two hours to go. I think he literally answered, you know, in the last few minutes of the of this of the of the week. So again, I have no insight on whether he'd spent the whole week cogitating on it and writing up an answer, or whether he just realized, shit, you know, in the last the last two hours like a high I school
1: essay ever Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so uh I don't know. You know, that's uh, people can speculate but one way or another, or maybe he'd written it up beforehand, and he just thought it would be more dramatic if he posted it right at the last minute. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, the the nevertheless, we didn't get an answer until right right up against the uh, against the final sort of buzzer. So I'm now about to read his full answer, which is two and a half thousand words, two thousand five hundred and nineteen words in quite some detail i think it's important for the historical context and also for the listeners to be able to hear in full what he said and then afterwards we'll obviously go on and discuss my view and so forth i thought you know maybe we could break it down question by question but i think it's better to just hear from him as he said it and then everybody can think about what their you know point of view is and then then hear my uh, response. So let's uh let's do that now. Jed's gonna hopefully just scroll through yep. some of this as, as we,
1: yeah, I've got it up now. So ready when you are.
0: All right, this is you know Jeremy's audio book. Uh, welcome to audible.com. <laughs> uh, I would I would love it, would have been cool actually to have Eric read it in his own voice. You know, he has a very uh distinctive voice. But anyway, in uh, lack of that, we're just going to do it. Here we go. Eric's response two days ago. Quote, I'm going to answer your question truthfully, even though it may not be the answer you want to hear. I think you want the honest truth. I've seen the multitude of threads you've written about me across the years. I understand it is frustrating to see that this many years after the even though it is clear as day that all the curtains have fallen for me and that all the rose-tint shade has slipped out of my eyes, yet I'm still not able to give the Bitcoin Cash community the nod you're looking for. Underscore. You were right all along. The small blockers were the bad guys. Their technological vision is hampered. Layer 2 scaling leads to too much complexity. Blockstream stakeholders are still to this day trying to steer crucial possibly sticky economic activity into their corporate sidechain, silo underscore. Why is it like this then? Why is that so hard to say? As much as you may like to believe it, it wouldn't be particularly hard for me to admit the above if I truly believed it to be the case. Now I'll instead tell you how I actually feel. First, some background context. During the block size wars, I spent almost all of my time in Stockholm with the local Bitcoin community. My two best friends in the community were Tommy and Hampus. Tommy was ab casher. Hampus was a small blocker. Tommy was a R-slash-BCH forum moderator who was such a persistent warrior for his cause that Gregory Maxwell once talked about getting a restraining order against him. Hampus was a Bitcoin Core sycophant, as I think many of us were at the time. One of my longer and most regretted unwritten blog posts was a comparison between the Steelman cases for both sides of BCH versus BTC argument, profiling both Tommy and Hampus as excellent case studies. The reason that they were such good examples for me was that I knew both of them quite closely. I trusted their motivations very deeply. Without going too much into details about each of these individuals, I can wholeheartedly say that there's not a bone in Tommy's body that's malevolent or hell-bent on trying to turn Bitcoin for the worse. All his arguments for Bitcoin Cash were truly because he believed that the best path for Bitcoin forward was a simple block size increase, and he was possibly the most die-hard, longest tenured Bitcoin fan that I knew. I didn't know anyone who was so single-focused on Bitcoin, a benefit of his neurodivergence. Tommy was no fool either. He had been right about future trends with very high precision in the critical cases that mattered. And now, in the fullness of time, when all is said and done, I think back then, during the block size wars, Tommy was right about many more things than I was willing to give him credit for at the time. One of the products of our friendship came in the form of a chart which plotted what would happen in all edge case scenarios during the BCH-BTC SegWit2x splits during the BIP-91 lock-in activations. I felt uniquely positioned at the time to distill the different outcomes because Tommy had so much knowledge on the big blocker side of things and Hampus was so deeply knowledgeable about the small blocker side of things. We sat together in multiple cafes and pizza huts until we had the final outline on paper. After a few nitpicks by Gregory Maxwell, the chart was complete. And there's a link, and he has this uh, chart that shows uh, everything. Um, I sat many times with Tommy and challenged his perspective on why Bitcoin should scale via increasing the block size alone. What happens after that demand is gobbled up and the fees go up again? We increase it again, Tommy would say. It was clear to me that, at the time, many big blockers weren't content with stopping the increase of the block size limits beyond what a normal person or even a well-resourced person could sync on their computer. At some instances, Tommy would say that Bitcoin would still be secure even if something like 20 geographically distributed full nodes slash miners were the only entities with the full record of the blockchain. Tommy believed that ultimately the economic incentives of the largest stakeholders of the network would be too strong for it to become corrupted, and that there would always be someone trusted enough to provide users with the hash of the most recent chain tip to fork away if the rules of the network ever became seriously endangered. And if such a thing were to happen, he believed economic forces such as the ones we've seen with fork futures in the Bitcoin Unlimited case would be the real arbiter of consensus, not people wearing hats and running fully synchronized full nodes. I'd actually be ashamed at the time to admit how many valid points Tommy made then. Mind you, I'm trying to represent his arguments from memory as far as I'm capable. I'm fully aware that he may feel like I'm misrepresenting his stance completely. It's only in later years that I've actually started to take the devil's advocate side and argue similar to Tommy. That the war of consensus takes place on markets and in pricing, and even at very high block sizes, the real-world mechanics that we use to help us navigate which fork we're buying and selling still work in practice, in the same way that the quote-unquote weak subjectivity problem in proof-of-stake is ultimately a problem we can practically solve. At the time, I told Tommy the system that he's looking for is EOS, not Bitcoin. This is getting a very long-winded answer, but I'll try to circle back to your questions in a moment. What I believe, and still believe to this day, is that what Tommy proposed was a riskier path. Not only would it force Bitcoin into a weird state where it's secured by a type of game theory that really only very few people would entertain as being sufficient, it would also force a lot of good people out of Bitcoin that I believed then, and do believe to this day, were the most technically capable people in Bitcoin and made the choices they did out of genuine caution rather than malice. The quote-unquote evil cabals that people always ascribe as the explanation behind things, I simply don't believe in those stories. Sure, some blockstream stakeholders are economically motivated. It is completely reasonable that some have had their thinking perverted by this. But the blockstream stakeholder trying to lure everyone into liquid to siphon fees indefinitely from the new economic world order, is a straw man of the small block aside, it completely misses the genuine individuals, like Hampus, who really simply weren't ready to let go of self-sovereign node running at home until we had at least tried layer 2 scaling. And you see exactly the same kind of nonsense stories being told by Bitcoin maximalists about me and Udi Wertheimer, right? That we're funded by the Chinese government to spam the Bitcoin network? It's either the Jews or the Chinese, whoever you're the most afraid of. I know that I'm a half-Swedish, half-Iranian European, and I am way too lazy to care about what the Chinese government wants me to do. I vehemently reject such simple, banal explanations for why people act the way they act, because I've seen this bogus rhetoric go wrong about myself as long as I've been a public face on the internet. The Layer 2 Path of Lightning was, at least on paper, back then, to even many bright folks, something we thought we could get into a workable condition. We haven't by now, and we've failed, but that doesn't mean it was a perverted decision. It is interesting to me that even folks like Andreas Antonopoulos still cling on to this vision of scaling Bitcoin. Most of the people in my intellectual circle have at this point admitted that lightning is a dead end in its current state. Some now argue that it's only a few new opcode soft forks away before all the kinks are worked out. While well, I believe that channel based scaling must be burnt down to the ground altogether. Some believe that it's not lightning, but now quote unquote arc, which is a descendant from lightning, which will usher the future of hyper Bitcoinization. I still see what I have always seen a disorganized soup of people with a great variety of ideas trying to bring this decentralized currency forward, most with good intentions. Number one, what evidence or change would could cause you to abandon BTC and migrate yourself plus wizards to BCH? Let's first talk about this at the social level. The answer to this question is bold, never. Even though Bitcoin Cash community had some valid ideas, many correct criticisms, and its origins stem from many of the longest-tenured original fan base. Bitcoin Cash is not the second most interesting project in cryptocurrency to me, nor the third, nor the fifth, maybe perhaps even not the twelfth. I think where our disconnect is that it doesn't logically follow for me that simply because the Lightning Network did not work out, I'd be interested in rewinding the clock half a decade and continue on some other fork of Bitcoin. While I don't have a very rosy picture of the Bitcoin maximalists who have stuck their head in their sand far too many years as it became more and more clear that the UX challenges of Lightning were steering users into custodial wallets, I actually don't hold Bcash's in very high esteem either. In order for you to understand this, try to picture it from my point of view. The Bitcoin cash community at large were a group of people who had some reasonable qualms about Lightning, but moments later got duped into believing that a con artist, Craig Wright, was the inventor of Bitcoin. I want you to take a look at these pictures below and refresh your memory. And he's got a link to the Calvin Air Hong Kong cruise with Craig Wright, Roger Ver, and Dead Alnick's archive link. While it's true that after some time, some people in the Bitcoin Cash community finally rejected Craig Wright. The fact that so many of people from the BCH inner circle so rapidly got themselves ensnared into Calvinair's dungeon of thieves and snakes has caused irrevocable distrust for me and those people's judgment. It is not a community I'm seeking to rejoin, nor a chain I'm looking to extend. <clears throat> now let's talk about it at a technical level. The only point where I'd become interested enough to join the Bitcoin Cash community is if the community successfully became stewards and leaders in the type of technologies that I believe will ultimately scale blockchains. If I am to accept that Bitcoin's vision of scaling through lightning is a dead end, which I've done, my first course of action is try to correct it. This is what we're doing with our soft fork movement efforts at Tap Fruit Wizards. I think we've been making great progress in changing the culture of Bitcoin by introducing new users into Bitcoin with completely different perspectives compared to the Bitcoin maximalists who refuse to observe the certain aspects of reality that's frustrating to me. And what's even better is that our activity on the chain is causing many of these lightning fanatic, those Lightning fanatics to revisit their understanding of the Lightning Network. Read this excellent piece by at Ben the Carmen, linked. If those efforts fail, my next course of action is to choose a different cryptocurrency project to be a part of. For me, right now, that would be the Ethereum community or the Modular slash ZK communities. There are several efforts in crypto right now where the unviability of channel-based systems for scaling are well understood and other directions are chosen, which I believe do carry the potential of achieving the goals of scalability and decentralization at once. Yes, fraud proofs validity-slash-ZK proofs, and data avail- availability sampling are central elements to achieve this. Number two, why are BCH moderate block size increases non-viable and or mutually exclusive with improved layer 2s, e.g. roll-ups? They're absolutely not. You can start building ZK technology and data availability sampling on Bitcoin Cash today. The fact of the situation, though, is that the intellectual mindshare in stewarding those type of technologies are nowhere near Bitcoin Cash, nor have they any interest in being a part of the Bitcoin Cash project effort. Let me turn the question around: Why should there be an effort to build these types of technologies on Bitcoin Cash today among the people who understand those technologies? What do these technologists owe the Bitcoin Cash community? If your answer is quote, well, because Bitcoin Cash retains much of the UTXO set. Of Bitcoin and B caches were right to fork off from BTC because of the overfocus on Lightning. End quote. Well, I disagree. The UTXO set of Bitcoin, the real Bitcoin for which there are ETFs and other things now, is the right destination for these technologies. Not the resulting fork of an ancient dispute. Applying these technologies to a current fork of Bitcoin at its current block height would be a more interesting choice for me if it came to that point. There's nothing from the current Bitcoin Cash ecosystem that I want or need buy-in from to develop a better system for the future. And its closest-knit community of Bitcoin Cash doesn't have a very strong grasp of the technological future of blockchain I'm interested in. You either have it, Bitcoin does, or get it, the Modular slash ZK community does, Bitcoin Cash neither has it nor gets it. Number three, if you were running the BCH podcast, what would your promotional strategy be? I would rebrand it to focus on a type of technology. We're going to make the blocks as big as they have to be, and then also kind of use whatever other technologies are around to scale further, I guess, question mark, is not a compelling message. Like I said, you either have it, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or you get it, insert technological scaling narrative here, You either talk about a community slash currency that's big and and existing or about a compelling technological vision that's so compelling that others will buy into that vision and are willing to make an off-chance bet that your very different technological vision is so revolutionary that everything else will ultimately have to succumb to it. Right now, Bitcoin Cash is playing not second, not third, not fifth, and maybe perhaps not even 12th flute to other compelling underdog narratives out there. And that's why I wouldn't run a podcast focused on trying to propagate its message. Its message is too worn out. Its brand is too diluted. It is simply not fertile. It doesn't swim. You're not the biggest, and you're not flashy. You're old, sunken, and salty. It is time to end it. Dot, 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 dot. So what happened to Tommy? Tommy left Bitcoin for good. He did not feel that his vision got a foothold in the market and that humans were too easily misguided by clowns like Craig Wright that he lost faith in decentralized currency projects altogether. Tommy is interested in other technology trends now. There's probably some wisdom in Tommy's decision, decisions, the big fat old autist that he is. End of essay from Eric Wall. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the on the essay just just first of all what was your immediate reaction
1: uh, so there's a lot I mean yeah there's just so much here um there are a couple of things that I feel like I can agree with I don't know it's like all of this makes sense and then he still makes you know th- these decisions and that's where um, I still don't like the explanation doesn't feel sufficient for the the decisions uh there's a couple things the photo and i don't think this is the first thing that came to mind but it's the first thing i'm looking at scrolling back up none of those people are really active in the bitcoin cash space anymore right uh three of four are on their own chains and the you know roger i mean his involvement i think over the past three years has been attend the conference, do this podcast, have a couple calls with the Bitcoin.com guys yeah. every like it's really not <laughs> I don't know. He's not the figurehead anymore. Uh, this thing about just telling someone that the system that they're interested in is in Bitcoin also seems weird. like that like that doesn't like that recommendation doesn't add up to me. I don't know too much about EOS, but I, if I remember correctly, when it was launching, it had a bunch of like chain halts and freezes and pauses and just network issues. Um, which would have been around the time that Eric saying to Tommy, you know, EOS is the thing that you're looking for, not Bitcoin. But I don't, I don't know if I'm on board with that. Anyway, that if that's your
0: initial uh, kind of reactions I'll, I'll throw in a few of my thoughts and and we can chat it through from there. So I gotta say when I first read this and I've since read it maybe three or four times, I was honestly just just a little bit uh, disappointed and and underwhelmed really I firstly I, I do have to say that thanks to Eric for writing this this you know long response like he did clearly think it through, he answered the questions in a very uh, serious and forthright and honest manner, uh, and he obviously put a lot of effort into it. So I have to give him, you know, full full credit uh, for that. It is also great to get perspective from outside the Bitcoin Cash uh, community. Um, I considered writing a, a response, you know, myself in a similar format, but <laughs> free content is free content. And also, I wanted to keep my own listeners in the loop with with all of this uh, discussion. I think it's very pertinent to the Bitcoin cash community as a as a whole. Um, you know, I what I felt like was a lot of it just missed missed the point where at the start he says, "I've seen those threads that you've been writing about me for years." Well actually I mean it's funny that he says years because maybe it feels like years in his mind but it's actually only been 6 months <laughs> so I guess uh the pressure has you know ramped up quicker than he expected but when he tried to like he didn't my point in creating that thread was to troll him enough to get his attention and I figured that he would Get that that was that wasn't just what it was. That once he saw that and he understood it, he would say, you know, who is this guy? Where is all this? Why is he constantly harassing me with all this? Like, there's got to be something else going on here. This is not like this is some very atypical average hater on the internet. Like they go into a lot of effort uh for this. And he would then look into the podcast, what else have I said? etc. But it seems like he hasn't really done that much of that. Even after after writing this full two and a half thousand you know uh, word essay, because where he said you know what he thinks, I want him to say, which is you were right all along. Small blockers were bad. You know L two failed, and Blockstream has captured Bitcoin. Yes, that's true. That I think that's what I think that's a point he should get to but that's not all of it that's like the first 30% of the story you know once he got to that point the then the, the actual good bit is after that which is like okay i've untangled myself from all this cope and propaganda and i realized that so i looked into the podcast i looked into the bitcoin cash community you know you guys fought off the bsv people you fought off xcc you developed a decentralized governance protocol you made tons of sick upgrades cash tokens ABLA looks uh kind of cool and wow like i'm excited you know may- maybe bitcoin cash actually can be the bitcoin that we all wanted this whole time like <laughs> what can i do to help or at least wow you guys are, are giving it a better run than i expected you know, how can we collaborate to get crypto to global reserve currency? You know, that's, that's what I was kind of looking for, but sort of didn't get it. It was all like at the end, he says, you're just salty and out of touch and everything like that. And I can understand how from his point of view, that's how I seem, because maybe his biggest understanding of me is this thread where I've been trolling him. But that's not just on me. That's also partly on him, which is that if he's not taken the time to look into what I've written or done, of which there is a lot, uh, you know, publicly and easily accessible right there, you know, one click away from this Twitter thread. All he has to do is just click on my page and have a look, <laughs> uh, then that's kind of just his own, you know, lack of research um, more than anything else. Then it kind of gets onto the ways that he's understanding the block size war. And I I can see why he tells it as a story of these two individuals, you know, that he knew he personifies it uh, a little bit, which I understand. But I think it does oversimplify things, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm also curious, like I granted like i wasn't on r slash bch too much but i have never heard of this tommy individual and i also hadn't seen anyone like reply to this response and saying oh i remember tommy like can anyone does anyone remember this tommy fella can anyone pull up a handle like i think it'd be good to get him on the podcast if he's at all interested um but that also like, I need to believe that he's a real person first
0: <laughs> oh I'm sure I'm sure he's a I'm sure he's a real guy but like you say it doesn't seem like well I also was like I' don't know who to, I know who Hampus is not that I, I or at least I think I do I've seen him on Twitter and he has the laser eyes and some like stupid small block of t- takes you know so I'm like okay that's that guy uh Tommy I don't really know who that is but what when I read that for the first time I thought Tommy sounds like a BSVer. He he dislikes Craig Wright, which was uh, is a not typical <laughs> BSV attribute. But otherwise, he sounds like a big uh, BSV. He says that okay, we only need twenty nodes uh, run by the miners, and then the economic incentives will protect everything. And he didn't have any answers to scaling besides just perpetually raising the block size. Like I, I, I was kind of like, where in this story is the actual Bitcoin casher? Yes. He's got Hampus, who's his laser eye, and Tommy, who is the proto BSV big blocker. There's just this gap. It's like if this is your understanding of how things went down, you're just you're missing. Where where is the Bitcoin cashier in this? Like the 2023. Uh, prototype of the bitcoin cat where, where is that point of view because it's not in there anywhere and uh what it does do though is it gives me at least some confidence or some feeling is that we're still here in 2024 with like a huge amount of people on the small block side and maybe in the crypto space generally who still don't understand that bch and BSV are different You know, yeah. <laughs> like obviously at the time maybe that was a large part of the problem was the fact that the people on the small block size were unable to sort out the distinction between the, the crazy ones who went on to be BSV and the reasonable ones who were saying like, guys, let's, you know, raise the block size, but we can do this in a sensible manner. And those two things have been conflated for them ever since, even though Eric is clearly aware That BSV is a separate chain and has been for over you know five years at this point, right? So, so I thought, yeah, I was, I thought, where where is the BCH in this story? That that really, uh, like the rest. If you read the rest of it, you're just like, well, where's the BCH?
1: Yeah. So okay, Uh, Jonas just tagged me in the Bitcoin Cash Telegram group, and ZQuest uh, commented on it in the chat here. Tommy is apparently the handle to do T O D U
0: Eric is telling this story, like that this was how he understood the block size war at this time, but it seems like there was enough chatter online. Surely he should have known uh, that it wasn't as simple as these two caricatures, you know?
1: Sorry. I pulled up the wrong Twitter account just for a quick correction. Uh, okay. Tommy Slav Dugan, Duganaz sick well, It's probably horrible um since two thousand ten has three thousand followers like thirty of them are people I follow Bitcoin cash autist uh, uh old e cash guy okay so maybe there is hope maybe we can reach out see what's up okay
0: yeah yeah okay well that would that would be cool uh but you know all of this uh really got to me to think um you know it's what rizzo said the other day that we reviewed on the show that you know bch is just in its own reality like it's now clear in hindsight that even from the 2013 you know or pre pre pre-split era there was at least four different serious camps of schools of thought right there's now BTC, BCH, BSV and XCC and all those people in there. And the BCH, XCC and BSV people were all in one camp from the small blocker point of view. Nowadays, there might even be more because now there's uh, sort of the Taproot Wizards camp and the Laser Eye camp and also the CTV camp and some other camps and a few people mixed in there somewhere on the BTC side. So as time goes on, we're seeing more and more clarity on what actually the different visions for what bitcoin is and how to manage it emerge right um so yeah I was just a bit a bit baffled that eric couldn't see those uh distinctions and it seemed like his timeline of bch had just dropped out at about the end of 2019 you know after he clearly understood that bsv had happened and Calvin Air and all that. He says, like, some time it took quite a while for the BCHs to kick out Calvin Air, which took about a year and maybe a little bit long about eight, um, 15 months from August 2017 until November of 2018. But then, if that's a bit more than a year and there's been another five years since, if that was such a substantial period of time, like, wouldn't you? What about Lorette? the other five years? You know, isn't that a fucking very substantial amount of uh, time? You know, he he criticizes BCH as being old, as though that's a weakness rather than a strength. You know, that's 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 Lindy, right? It survived all this time, and here he is writing a, an answer to a Bitcoin Casher in twenty twenty four. Would that have been on his twenty seventeen? We won the block size war bingo card. Like, I doubt it. So. That's actually a strength um, rather than a weakness. But I understand also why he says, look, you're just salty. Again, we've had, you know, we've had this Twitter history being the way it is. And if that's all he can see of it, then then that's fine. And maybe he just hasn't really, you know, watched much of the show. Um, you know, as for as for the actual answers themselves, question one, like what, what could change his mind to get Taproot Wizards on board? He said nothing, never. I was like, what, what are you talking about? That just seems like a bit of a lack of imagination, really. Like if BCH flipped Ethereum, would that not be enough to get him to at least look into BCH again? If we flipped BTC, if the entirety of Argentina switched onto Bitcoin Cash, like never is just uh, you know like c- come, on. <laughs> come on, that's just a, a lack of imagination. I think, um, of course, in his mind, you know, it comes down to the the technically it doesn't have a gimmick, and um, you know, socially it's full of all these people. Like the social part is already handled. Like you said, there's been so much social turnover that barely anybody who's active in BCH now is firstly was active then or secondly is not the people that he would associate or know of, you know, it's people who might've been involved, but they were under the surface or they weren't as prominent, you know? Uh, And then as far as technically, I think it's strange that he says we need, we need a new shiny technical thing
1: yeah not even the 12th most interesting what are the other 12 fucking projects that are more interesting name them all (laughs) hey like if you want to say it's not even the 12th i don't even think of 12 projects that are like legitimate not scammy didn't have an ico didn't rug someone like that one kind of offended me i was like 12 fucking what do you mean
0: well, yeah, that, I, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not uh, offended by that, but I, I can sort of see what he said. He's the kind of guy who would be like, well, it's BDC, it's ETH, there's kind of some interesting stuff going on with Tether, even if it's a scam. Uh, Monero... And then he would just chuck in a bunch of like random shit coins that he's like, well, there's hex, which is a total scam, but it's interesting in quotation marks because Richard Hart is busy, like scamming everyone and you'd learn about human psychology and stuff like that. So I can see that he would come up with a list of 12 things, but uh, I think, yeah, dismissing BCH out of hand, like it's just ridiculous. Yeah. His advice that, um, we should, it's, it's sort of between the first and then in the third answer, he he goes on again to say like, you know, you need a technical thing to shill. I'm like, wait, isn't that the, that's the opposite. Like yeah. lightning network was the technical savior of everything on b And he's realized that that was a lie and that was stupid. And now he's busy looking for the next thing. And he thinks it's going to be these zero knowledge proofs and maybe on Ethereum, but it doesn't matter what random garbage is the thing of the week drive chains, bit vm arc like i can't remember all the other ones ctv right Alan like Hance. what it, what it, opcat yeah. l enhance you know whatever it is there's always like some we'll figure it
1: out in 18 okay. months though
0: exactly it's only 18 months away and i feel like this is where his not being a dev really hurts him because firstly he listened to all the wrong devs which was the captured block stream ones who he says I still think they're the best in the industry, even after they've lied to him all this time. And he started to figure that out. He still thinks they're either the best technically and they're not malicious. Like even if only one of those things is wrong, he's barking up the wrong tree, let alone both. Right. So that's just complete nonsense. And he thinks, look, there can't be any other good devs like anywhere well, obviously, there can be because he respects the Ethereum devs. Yeah. They're all completely offside with the B2C people, and they've just got their own thing. And then, of course, we also have ac- the actual best devs in crypto. A lot of them are in uh, a lot of them are in BCH, but they're just a bit more under the radar, right? As a result of they don't have the, you know, the clout. They were on the losing sides of the block size war, and it's only taken after several splits for them to kind of come into positions of. Of prominence, so I think it's the opposite. I think the fact that we don't have a random technological thing that we're jumping onto every month, yet again, that's not a weakness. That's that's a strength. That's because BCH just has a good plan. It's simple, and it's not fantastic. You know, it's just like keep it simple. You know, raise the block size, scale to the extent we can. Then we'll look into other solutions if and when that becomes a problem. Probably after the other guys have crashed and burned these ten other alternatives and we can look at what's actually working out. Plus, I'm sure if we have the actual brain power of the you know, BCH community onto it, we'll cook up something. It's not gonna be like, uh, you know, you already already have the smart the smartest engineers in BCH, the ones who couldn't be psyoped and lied to, come up with all these weird copes anyway. I'm sure if we needed to build some layer twos. You know, we could
1: it's also weird to so, me that in point three he's like, you know, this isn't a compelling message, but that's not the message of the podcast. The message of the podcast has been we're following the rise of Bitcoin Cash on its global yeah. <laughs> like did you like I don't think he could answer that question without consuming some content, and I do not think he consumed any of the content.
0: That's right. That's and that's why I I was just so yeah, I was like well, that's not, what, that's not what I'm saying. Firstly, like if I was going to answer this question, the first thing I would say is like, what are you saying now? Yeah. And then like, what's wrong with it? What do you need to change? But he didn't touch on either of those. He basically just said, give up <laughs> was his answer. His answer was shill a random technical thing or and or like give up. But it didn't really, yeah, it didn't touch on what our existing messaging is doing at all. And to be honest, he's a smart guy. so especially when it comes to marketing and promotion, he's done a fantastic job with the Taproot Wizards. So I was, you know, I was actually kind of like, this was my um, this was my open slather question for him. This was where I was kind of like, you know, maybe he'll surprise me with with something really cool or interesting here. But instead I just got give up and I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you, d- you didn't really understand what we're talking. And I also think he's he's a bit lost on the whole, You need a technological narrative to break through. It's the opposite. The cultural narratives beat the technical narratives any day of the week. We've already seen that with Segwit2x hats carried the day. It wasn't the fucking specifics of the Lightning Network. It was Segwit2x hats and we hate Roger Ver, right? Uh, and just the the same thing in the BCH, you know, why am I saying following Bitcoin, cash runs rise to global reserve currency? Why am I saying that's a cultural message? That's a, Bitcoin is a cultural movement. And then the technology gets added on later and you need to fix the culture before you fix the tech. And that's the exact problem he's having on the BTC side. And, but again, all of that just completely over his head, apparently. And then when it comes to the second answer, which was the one about why can't we have a moderate block size increase? What's wrong with that? And or like, why is zero knowledge proofs the, the best thing since sliced bread? His answer there also was a bit uh, a bit weird. He basically said, look, uh, you can have both moderate block size increases and zero knowledge proofs, but all the people who are not inter- uh, interested in zero knowledge proof are in Ethereum which is true. And why would they come to Bitcoin Cash? Like, is there any great reason for that? So those are fair comments, but it, it completely misses a few things. Firstly, it misses the fact like, well, what about just the block size increases? He's got no reasoning why that isn't viable. Uh, pre- presumably because, again, his model is Tommy's, you know, Gigameg's Meg's uh, vision. But a moderate, I, that's why I specifically said a moderate block size increase. Like, why wouldn't that be, be somewhat feasible or at least get us part of the way? He didn't address that at all. And secondly, he did not he didn't do anything to really justify why zero-knowledge proofs are actually the answer to everything. He just said, this is the direction I think it's going. So if you're missing on this, like, you're hopeless. Of course, the answer is... Do we have big zero knowledge proofs communities in BCH? No. Could we get them? Yes. By the time that we're kicking off with all the other stuff, we've got cooking, you know, the DeFi stuff with cash tokens. We've got, um, you know, Abla, we've got the peer-to-peer cash stuff, obviously still going with merchant onboarding and so forth. Like that still needs a bit of a shove, but you know, as the network effect builds, then sure, some of those ETH devs will come in and we'll have the zero-knowledge proof stuff. Is it going to be attractive to them today? No. Uh, but, you know, I'm not worried that we're going to be at a lack of people. Again, it's the same. Like, we we just have so many good people who don't really understand the the human capital concept. I don't mind if BCH doesn't have the foremost experts in X thing, because I know that we have a lot of very qualified very good technical people and if we need x thing everyone will spend six months go do the reading on whatever is the state of the art in whatever and then we'll have that in pch right we don't need it we don't need to recruit the experts we can just generate our own because we just have a good strong technical community internally right so so i just feel like all these answers are just like a miss like nothing could get him to change his mind that's That's a bit of a non-answer. Number two is he didn't touch on block size increases at all or why that's not viable. And number three, he just said, give up or shill a random technical buzzword. Like, uh, so between all three answers, yeah, I was just a bit uh, disappointed. I have to give him some uh, credit, right? He, He is right that many of the small blockers had perfectly good intentions. And I've said as much on this show many times. You know, the issue with the whole block stream sabotage and so forth is not that all the people on the small block sides are malicious, just that a few bad actors and a few wayward social narratives are enough for everybody else who's a bit naive to follow along and cause a lot of damage unintentionally. Of course, he doesn't really believe in that whole sabotage um, angle and the block stream stuff, which is fine. He doesn't necessarily need to. To be more interested in BCH. But I think it's crazy that he tries to conflate the Blockstream sabotage uh, theory with the Chinese miners and UDI and Taproot Wizards sabotage theory. It's so ridiculous. It's like the Blockstream conspiracy was floated by one, the people who were right about everything, <laughs> you know. From the beginning so if they were right about all this other stuff why do they uh, why are they so insistent on this and number two it's been around for uh seven years or whatever eight years and there's only been more and more evidence of everything that they predicted coming true with block streams you know side chains suddenly disappearing more focus on liquid Eventual block size increases that were promised never came. Like there's a lot of evidence to this beyond even what there was at the time. <laughs> Versus the you know laser eyes telling him that he's uh, you know sabotaging Bitcoin and he's like, well, that's ridiculous. I know because I'm me. Yeah, but it's also just ridiculous because that's the people who've been wrong about everything else and now they've cooked up their new latest story of the month and there's no actual evidence for it. So it's just saying you know these guys accused me of a conspiracy and that's wrong therefore your conspiracy is also wrong is like well actually it's just the people who are wrong always are still wrong and the ones who are right you just haven't clicked with the rest of it you know i mean if you're going to completely dismiss all that you have to say that the banks made no attempt to stop bitcoin is really what you're arguing that the banks and governments made zero covert attempt to attack bitcoin which is even more of a conspiracy really do we really have to justify that mastercard invested in blockstream and then they had a huge hand in bitcoin development that's it's not it's not a big leap right
1: i think it's expected like it's the opposite of a leap right like when in any company if you get an investment all of a sudden you now owe something to this and of course they're going to tell you what to do
0: yes yes um you know but at the end at least he he hits onto some stuff he's right you know bch isn't new and it isn't flashy why it's just resilient and it works (laughs) so that's i'm really not worried that we're not uh new and and flashy now Some other people, you know, some of the earliest reactions I saw from some of the other BCHs was like, a lot of this seems to do with price. He didn't mention price anywhere, and I don't think that played into it personally. But they're just kind of saying, look, if he thinks it isn't exciting and it doesn't have enough vibrancy or it doesn't have a technological narrative, look, if the price pumped and we were back in the top 10 or top five, you know, that would all be washed aside and no longer a problem which you know probably is right you know uh i would say so that's that's kind of that's kind of my review of it now there was some sort of (laughs) follow-up so after this uh thread came out it uh, generated quite a bit of discussion and there was a really good you know moment where in some of the okay well um we completely missed a whole uh like section of this which was I'll I'll touch actually I'll touch on that at the end uh after this after this came out um you know there was some discussion and I wrote to somebody said like oh eric thanks for telling us this history you know it was really interesting to read and i said it does have some interesting insight about the history but it's worth uh, considering that Eric's evaluation of BCH history appears to stop around late 2019 to 2020 sometime. So there are at least three years of development unmentioned, which is significant given that the split was around 6.5 years ago. And Eric liked that comment, and then he he uh, you know quoted this bit, Eric's evaluation of BCH history appears to stop around late 2019 to 2020 sometime, so there are at least three years of development unmentioned. And he said, I admit this is correct, and I have more to learn. Also, Bitcoin Cash Autist told him all about all the upgrades that have been going on, and a couple of other people commented. And so at the end of all of this, you know, all the criticism I just had of his essay, it seems like we got the message through. It seems like he finally realized, I got to take the BCH community seriously. I'm missing something. I need to just humbly slow down, take a look at this, and my view of bch is like what was happening you know just barely post bsv and that was at least you know three four years ago maybe things maybe things are different now i need to have a look at that so that's really what this has been all about and i'm just thrilled that we've got to that point you know uh i think maybe finally he'll watch a little bit of the podcast if you are ah, Eric like I'm you know I doubt unless you get up to some, something really stupid I'm probably not going to need to be trolling you on Twitter so much uh, you know hopefully we can work through the rest of the uh, copes and disagreements and so forth you know a bit more civil civilly from this uh, point forward but that's you know I'm glad we've at least got to that point
1: so if now has... uh, one other thing that I want go on So if his, uh, like, knowledge of the BCH history stopped pre-XEC fork, right? We started doing the podcast. Or maybe just after, yeah. Yeah. Like, he should just start episode one and then go through the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be completely up
0: to speed. Yeah, yeah. It picks up. Yeah, yeah. It'll be completely up to speed and he'll just be able to see how consistent we've been as, you know, Various BTC narratives have all fallen apart. You can think back to them in real time. Um, Yeah, there was one other little part to this uh, that we didn't mention uh, as well earlier. So I guess I forgot to do a slide on it. So in between uh, the bit where I, after when I got control of the orb, right, I bought it and I had to ask my questions. So I asked my questions And then, like I mentioned at the start, I went through and made all of the previous um, answers public. Most of them were private. Like I said, there was that guy, Paul Paul E.Eath, who'd paid like 15 ETH to ask all these questions. A lot of them about what's the best way to get into investment rounds and yada, yada, yada. But I got control of the orb, and I was like... Firstly, one, I don't have time to read all of this before somebody else will probably snatch it back. And two, I'm not just going to screenshot them and forward it up to myself, you know, whatever. So I just I just published all of them uh, to publicly. Now, after I did that, uh, then I messaged Eric and said, look, I've asked my questions, you know, looking forward to reading the answers, and I made the rest of the answers public. <laughs> he then went on his orb uh orbland account uh and said look a b catcher has asked uh you know this new question i think he said that uh but he, what he said was also somehow in quote somehow uh the bch pro- podcast got control of eric's orb and then made all the other answers uh public uh so he basically tried to create this like fake drama about it because he knew exactly that I was getting control of it. He challenged me to buy it and I bought it. Uh, and then he even gave me a heads up, like, make sure you ask the question before, you know, we do anything about it. And then, but then he like, uh, yeah, he tried to like invent this little drama about it as though I'd like super hacked his orb or like something like that. And it, like it worked, like a few people were like, wow, how did this guy get, you know, get control of the orb, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I think he, you know, it's fair enough. Like he he was just trying to, I think he was just trying to build hype for his orb and stuff like that. But it was just funny. He didn't know that I was going to make all the answers public, but he knew that that was a possibility, right? That's in the rules of the orb, like I explained so I wonder whether that caught him off guard, whether he was expecting me to do that or not, but either way I made them all public. And then he, I guess he thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to, you know, uh, drive some more interest in my, in my orbs. So he, yeah, anyway, he said like, somehow, uh, I did that. And then even like, uh, like some BCH people were in there, like, what, what do you mean? Like, what as if jeremy just got control of it and then i was like no but i did that (laughs) so it was it was like this that was like a fake drama but yeah i did i got control of the orbs and i uh made it and then and then he uh he was like (laughs) reposting that from his own account and he was trying to like stir it up as well too so i I don't know whether that was just a marketing thing or what (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly Exactly. Okay, so that was uh, just to clear up anybody who was confused about that. And people were saying like, oh, Jeremy, why did you like publish all the answers? Again, I just, I was just like, I don't even have time to read them. And I don't care, whatever. Let's just uh, get them all out there. And uh, it's also funny, you know, you can go back and read them. Yeah, yeah, I was just kind of like, well, now I've now now I'm the real fucking master, you know? (laughs) Uh, but there was there, that was in the rules of the orb though. So it wasn't like I didn't break anything or I didn't do anything onto war. This was not some, you know, maybe it's a bit dog to the one previous guy who paid loads of ETH for his answers, but he also knew that that was the rules of the orb when he bought it. So there's no reason that I couldn't do that. And now, now uh, so jumping forward back in time to um, after the orb answer was given then a lot of other people started commenting on all this, right? And I want to just – we're not going to read out or go into the details of what anybody else reacted with, but just a couple of points to hit on. So this one guy, Hector Lopez, who is this very, like, toxic BSV guy, (laughs) he reacted to this uh, post by quoting, you know – Eric wall has admitted that the big blockers were right. And his evidence for it was the section that Eric said, you want me to say this, but I'm not saying this. And then what he said. (laughs) So it was just the most dishonest, like narrative uh, creating by this guy, Hector Lopez. Again, like I don't want to paint the whole BSV community, you know, based on the actions of one guy, but he is a bsv guy and that was just so typical that he was trying to get some like vindication which was fake anyway it was a it was a fake news that eric thought that in fact eric had written two thousand words explaining why he didn't think that and the guy had just either ignored or misunderstood but probably just ignored that to try and get his like shitty twitter dunk in And that was just terrible behavior. And so then people are commenting, being like, no, that's not what he said at all. Uh, And it turns out that I just checked just before the show. He then even ended up deleting this tweet. So the moral of the story here, though, is that Eric was confused about the big blockers being the same as BSV. The BSV people immediately did us a huge favor by fucking taking his words out of context And giving the BCH community a perfect opportunity to say, these guys are crazy, we're not like that. And I want to emphasize that to the BCH community, that now that things are starting to improve in the BCH scene, firstly, you have guys like this asshole, uh, Hector, trying to jump on our clout and say, yeah, see, the big blockers were right. We're big blockers too, guys. Like, even if it's like, no, you're still wrong. You're still crazy and wrong, sorry. (laughs) So they're going to try and, you know, What's it called? Stolen Valor. They're going to try and get some stolen Valor in there. But secondly, it's a perfect opportunity for any bullshit that they pull for the BCH community to demonstrate that we're not on board with that, we don't like that, and we rejected that for a reason, and to look like the more mature, positive, optimistic, and reasonable ones that you can discuss crypto with properly. So I urge everyone, we we need to set that bar really high so that the rest of the world finally gets it clear what the difference is between BCH and BSV. And there's the reasonable, intelligent, big blockers who are now being vindicated, that's us. And there's the absolute nonsense crazies who you don't want to have anything to do with, that's BSV, right? So please let's all just uh, lead by example and and get that clear to everybody. Now, secondly, was in some of the commentary below that, I had uh, some discussions with a BTC guy who was still very traumatized about the whole sides war, and he was coming up with all this stuff uh, like but you just uh, BCHs, all you do is just come and troll Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, you're always talking shit about us and you never do anything else and blah, blah, blah. And I was explaining to him, like, yes, it is true that I criticize BTC Sometimes, you know, I poke people here and there. I have my criticisms of you. Yes. But you do realize that that's a small percentage of what I do, right? Like, outside of you're, you're seeing that because that's the crowd you're in. So you only see at the edge where I'm criticizing someone, right? You don't follow me. You don't know what's going on in the BCH community. Most of my time is actually spent on BCH stuff, and very little of it is spent on you know these little battles with BBC people. But he couldn't really understand that. And I said, look, there's a whole different world going on of BCH discussion and BCH tech and BCH apps and stuff. And that's mostly what I'm doing. It's just a small amount of this. And then he was kind of like, price chart. <laughs> you always get him with the price. He comes in with the price. And I said, dude, this is irrelevant. This is like years ago. What? No, I don't care about this price chart. Why do you care about this price chart? And then he was like, well, because on 2019, I was the biggest uh, poster on RBDC. I know what the Bitcoin cash community is. I know you guys are all wrecked and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, and I'm taking my victory lap or something, and I was like, "Dude, that's this is years ago. You're just so out of touch with everything. It doesn't matter anymore." And he was still just riled up and all that. Now, the lesson that I want to, you know, draw out of this uh, situation is that the BCH community has done a lot of work internally to process. Everything from the, the block size war and all what, you know, we did right and what we did wrong and what we need to do differently and how we can be positive and differential going forward. Well, the b side, they've got a lot of that as well, too. And they haven't actually <laughs> processed very much, if any of it, you know, like we can see here. Eric's actually giving a good example of he has actually worked through this lightning network was wrong and so forth, so forth. Uh, but he's still at the stage like BCH didn't really have anything, at all, you know going for it kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, some of these BDC guys, they're still just trapped in there. Yeah, we we're going to be right. And we're going to, we showed them and all that. And they're going to project onto us the fact that they're still stuck in the past, right? They're going to say, you guys are toxic and you're always arguing with us. And uh, why don't you just go off to your own project and like all this stuff? that it's nothing to do with us and in fact we shouldn't you know we should and are focusing on our own project but that's they still need to have all that toxicity and stuff from the from the old days so when you when you see those people and i'm sure you will you're interacting in the broader crypto discussion just try you know be be trying reasonable with them and just say look you've got your project we've got our project Just do it your way. Like, we're not involved, uh, everything. And if they keep coming at you, then eventually just drop it, right? If you, you know, uh, fight with a pig, you know, nobody wins, but you both get dirty, right? That's kind of the, what they're just going to try and drag you into. And the way they will have to deal with their own, you know, project and their own failings and their own misconceptions and whatever on their own time, because we don't have, to deal with it to the extent that they're interested and receptive they can come over to the bch community and we can help them you know see things in a more positive light but for the ones who still just are stuck in that old like they have all these sayings like oh bch nothing's going on and nobody's doing anything and it's a dead coin and you're like okay just just leave us alone then (laughs) and then that that only you know riles them up more because it starts the cognitive dissonance clanging in their mind. Like I'm telling this guy he's dead and he's telling me to go away. Like, why is he doing that? Like, shouldn't he be getting salty? And I no, we're not dead. No. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you just, uh, yeah. tell him that. Cause there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of those upset, um, people, you know, there. So, uh, and it's going to get worse for them too, because not only can they say BCH is dead and nothing's going on, that's already false, but trying to explain that just triggers them. But it's going to get worse once the BCH price starts going up, because then they're going to be like, their little precious price chart myth is going to start crumbling before their eyes too, and then it's going to be even worse. It's not even like, not only is BCH alive, it's actually starting to fucking take our hash power,
1: right? We're going to have a no so reverse like, on. Uh, Someone will give yeah. us a price check? Yeah. A new <laughs> <person>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. So, uh, yeah, just, anyway, that was, a, that was a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the discussion. Do you have any thoughts about any of that, Jen? And a lot of other people were reacting as well too, which is going back to why, why this was all such a big deal. Why have we done a full podcast episode just on this? Because Eric's got a big voice and a lot of people are paying attention what he's saying so the fact that he has finally started to at least you know engage in the discussion a little bit with the bch community that's that's a big turning point i think
1: i'm just considering um like that you know let's talk about the social nothing well i wonder if this is kind of that religion parallel again like if someone was saying you're worshiping a false god How likely would you be to be like, "Ah, okay, here's what it would take for me to convert? Um, Because I think even like entertaining that idea is to some degree an admission of defeat. Um, So I can, I can, I think I understand the hesitancy there, but that's about it. Uh, the other comment of, I don't really, at my response, like my reaction to everyone else's comments was like, wow, people actually do care about what this guy has to say. I thought this was just a, like, we got podcast, uh, exclusive kind of, uh, story, Drop. storytelling going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I, it's weird too, because I have been blocked by Udi for like four or five years. So <laughs> yeah well me too <laughs> not for four or five years but yeah me too but uh, Eric's the
0: smarter one anyway like to be honest that's what I mean it, as if you can't already tell like Udi just follows Eric's takes like Udi knows that he's the dumb one and Eric's the smart one and you can even hear that in the in the clip you know with Vitalik where yeah. uh, Eric you know Vitalik's like why don't we do 32 megabyte blocks and Udi's like Eric, you're gonna say something.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like he he does he he doesn't know. So th- that's why if we you know if we win over Eric, then Udi will just uh, follow along. Somebody said in the chat like um, Eric should come to BCH Bliss, and it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Fiendish uh, and a couple of other people said then in this again in this uh, following on discussion like Eric, if you want to come see what the BCH community is like these days. Come check out BCH Bliss, and you know maybe maybe he will. That would be super cool. I would love to see him there, Eric. Please come along. I'll say hello to you, and you know, uh, don't worry, I'm not gonna (laughs) be be that toxic with you. I'm a pretty pretty approachable, uh, fun guy, and uh, yeah, don't need to don't need to troll you to get your attention if you're at the BCH Bliss. That's for sure. So, um, you know, yeah, come along. It would be. Would be would be sick, and you know, at le- maybe even he just watch some of the online live stream and at least see where the BCH community is at these days. Anything like that is is all to the good, uh, I think. Really, and once again, it just comes to the BCH community. We just got to lead by example and show that we're we're doing the right stuff to actually keep you know the Bitcoin mission on a strong uh, forward forward trend there. Which cuts to community comment of the week. Uh Kalisti said, so this is from some reactions after Eric posted his uh answers was Calisti said we need Ethereum Unicorn Rave Parties. Well, imaginary username said we always need to be even cooler and even flashier, which is what Eric recommended. Callisti said we need Ethereum Unicorn Rave parties and Imaginary Username said. Best we can do is a bunch of awkward nerds shuffling around Ljubljana trying to avoid eye contact, <laughs> which got seven laugh uh, emojis and three smile emojis. So, uh, for anybody who's wondering, don't worry; like, it will actually be very sociable. But <laughs> it was it's funny. <laughs> Imaginary username to to phrase it phrase it that way. Uh, so yeah, go get your ticket. www.bliss And I made a video uh, yesterday, I think I released it, uh, which walks through, it's on the Bitcoin Cash Podcast YouTube channel, which shows you exactly how to buy a Bliss ticket. So if you're like, I don't know about TabSwap, I don't know about NFTs, I don't know about any of this. If you're confused about it, I've done a full guide breaking it down. So just go on YouTube, look up the Bitcoin Cash Podcast, you'll see it right there. Uh, And that will show you exactly how to buy an NFT and get, in, get a Jessica and get in the crypto spirit for the upgrade day. All right. Do you want to do a little bit of other news, Jet? You don't have to run. We got a little bit of extra time. Do you want to
1: we got some time. quickly
0: talk a couple other things? Okay. All right. So I've got three other quick little bits of news here. Slide doesn't have a picture. I didn't have time to make it all look pretty. Mark Lamb is shutting down his... Uh, Exchange, OpenX He's got You've got two weeks to withdraw So another scam has been Successfully uh, Executed I mean a few people will be getting burnt And getting rugged, losing their money Whoever believed in OpenX Uh, But yeah Hopefully he's long gone from the BCH community Good riddance Uh, But yeah, it's just Classic, like, scammers are going to scam, right? All that, no, 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 CoinFlex is not a scam. We're just, you know, excuses and lies. Goes off to do OpenX, fresh batch of shilling, fresh batch of, this is the new frontier, guys. We've got it right this time. Nope, scammed again, you know?
1: Yeah, and I can't, I think I was reading that it's something, it had something to do with uh, the Three Arrows Capital people uh, and, like, how FTX? Oh, I can't even. Remember. I'm not going to say anything because I, 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 I'm like working off like a quarter. I was like half asleep reading my phone in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. check it out, it's a wild ride.
0: Yeah, yeah. Suju and Carl Davies, Mark Lamb, scammer team extraordinaire's OpenX. <laughs> well, they've all shut down another exchange. So great work, guys. <laughs> uh, once again, not your keys, not your, your coins. As per the the video that we'll show you on TapSwap exactly how to do that. Uh and yeah, avoid custodians. And really imaginary username was talking about this too. It's up to the BCH community. We do have to set the bar higher. You know, we're in a good place now. We need to not lose that, right? We've learned those lessons the hard way over and over enough times. So if new people are interested, like for instance, Eric, right? If he's interested in coming into the BCH community. Well, he's very uh, welcome to come and see what we're working on and be part of it. But it's not like if he says, yeah, I love BCH, that everybody should be, you know, Eric's involved like straight away. It should be like, well, you know, take a number, join the line. You've got to earn your way back in with proof of work and time. He's a bit more of a known quantity uh, than, you know, many other people would be. But one way or another, people are going to be coming to the BCH community and that's okay you know everybody uh comes at a with a bit of a fresh slate and should be able to earn some respect but uh they need to they need to do it the right way with proof of work and with lindy over over time to be believable and we you know we can't get sucked in with more frauds and scams you know whether it's um whether it's uh Bloody uh Mark Lamb or uh anyone else, right? Uh, which speaking of which it uh occurs to me, I think it's tomorrow or maybe the day after that the Copa case is starting with Craig Wright. Uh is gonna probably get massively exposed uh in the lawsuits with uh Coinbase and all of them. So I guess we'll do some more coverage of that once it uh once it all comes to comes to pass one day. So yeah, I think it is literally starting tomorrow. Um, but yeah, we'll have more coverage of that as it comes about. Any, any thoughts on that jet? Any, any predictions for the old
1: Copacabra? Uh, did you see the letter from Craig that was like, we'll settle this. <laughs> if you guys just admit, have you just write this letter? <laughs>
0: He just write this letter. I rem- I know that Craig uh, gave them some kind of. Um, he said, "Like, let's call it all off. Like, we can we can sort this out. Just admit that I'm Satoshi, and like, uh some some other like all the patents were mine all along. I I can't remember the exact terms, but it was basically like if you just agree that I was right about everything, then we don't need to have. The lawsuit under which the context is you don't agree about all these things yeah like as though he had loads of leverage when he's about to get steamrolled right
1: i think it's um like there's a specific i think it's like pre-written uh paragraph that's like here's essentially what you're supposed to say and you're supposed to say it publicly i don't think any anyone's gonna say any of that shit so I think Craig will lose, and then they and told him to hilarious. like shove it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They told him to shove it, and they were like, "See you oh. in court." <laughs> like, what? what?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and but it was so funny because they tried. It's once again it's the weirdest like narratives here. You know? Like uh, Craig and Coin and stuff. They tried to phrase it as, "Well, look, let's just settle this now. Like, let's just wash our hands of everything. You can do your thing. We'll do our thing." It doesn't need to be a big deal. It's like you're just standing there and you've just been like stabbed over and over and over and over and over by someone. And finally you're like, stop. And then they're like, no, 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 let's just call it quits. Let's just call it all off. It's all good. There's no need to be upset. It's like, no, this whole Copa thing is only happening because you just were creating grief for everybody for years on end incessantly. We finally come to put a stop to it. And now you want to be like, Right, let's just let's just call bygones be bygones and bury
1: the hatchet if you admit uh, that i was right the whole time there was an like, old coin geek just... article too where it talked about how craig has just been trying to prove that he's satoshi in court and none of these lawsuits are going to court so he can't. and like now craig is going oh, let's do this outside of court yeah i'm excited to see that man get stomped
0: yeah yeah can't wait it's gonna be good okay <laughs> uh, bitboy also did a uh video about bitcoin cash and about the whole blocks that i has wore just kind of out of nowhere now he's been in his own hot water again i don't know the whole details but he essentially got ejected from his own bitboy channel and there's been much and various drama about that i don't know all the details but He says, you know, he lost some money or he was pushed out by some people that hated him for whatever reason. And they say that he was up to all kinds of dodgy stuff. And he was sort of in rehab for like being an alcoholic at a certain point and his marriage breaking down. And like, I really don't know the whole story, but nonetheless, he's rebranded to himself as just I'm Ben and I'm doing crypto content. And as part of that, uh, you know, he already has quite a lot of sway. He already had 90,000 YouTube subscribers out of nowhere, which I guess is not the same as his 1 million BitBoy account. But uh, somehow he's retained enough clout in this whole uh, shambles. And he did one a video about the blocks as well. And he got pretty much most of it right, which was great to see because it was just another case of one Bitcoin Cash still... Finding its way into the conversation, and two over time, the truth wins over time slowly, but it wins over time. Like it, it, this video got, I don't know, eight thousand views or something like that, and that would be a lot of the the people that are in crypto that don't really know all the details in it. He said, "Look, Roger Veer didn't start BCH; he just joined up to them, and there was so much censorship, and it was slandered, and yada yada yada." A lot of stuff that getting those opinions out there from non-BCH, you know, channels to listening ears is just fantastic and really helps with uh, our general perception in the overall crypto community, right? So it sort of reminded me of when Andre Jick did his video yeah, a couple of years ago. Seeing more things like that starting to happen really is just... A payoff for the fact that the bch community is still here still plowing away and still putting in good work no matter the slander eventually the the media coverage is has to turn around to recognize and and match that and i was really glad to see that one thing that bitboy did get wrong at the end was he kind of said yeah the bch community is a bit dead though and it's not really doing anything which again just just like eric he just is Obviously, mostly out of the loop of what's happening, and I commented on the video and said, Yeah, that's not really accurate. There's actually quite a lot going on, and he said, oh, Okay, cool, you know, so uh, maybe he'll look into that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts? I you told me you hadn't seen it yet, right?
1: Yeah, hadn't seen it. Actually, haven't watched any of Bitboy's crypto content except for like three second clips that people goof on him, like on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, he does a
0: lot of shilling of random garbage. So I'm not saying that he's going to be the world's best BCH spokesman now or ever, but just, you know, the fact that he did this fairly accurate, uh, video was, I'll take it. It's a W. And then (laughs) we also have just like fail of the week. I didn't do meme of the week, but let's just, this is actually meme of the week is the swan.com guys who are this sort of laser eye company that helps people invest in BTC and they make a big deal about where not shit coin is and BTC is the king and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, uh, B Cashy posted the clip from kim.com debating on the Swan cafe Bitcoin in 2021 where uh, the the guy that he's talking to says to him, uh, wouldn't, you know, BC, is BCH the gold or the dollar? Is it more like cash or like the dollar? And Kim says, well, it's more like the dollar. And then the guy says, well, it sounds to me then like BCH is a bigger threat to the dollar than BTC is. And it's like they scored this own goal because Kim was like, yes. And the whole Bitcoin Cash community was like, yes. That's what we've been trying to tell you this whole time. And the guy is just tied himself into knots explaining how the traditional financial system is actually a good thing because they're going to be on the BTC side and they're going to treat it just like gold and not manipulate it. And wow, isn't it great that Michael Saylor loves us? And aren't we still revolutionary, but just inside the system, right? Uh, So anyway, they had that debate, right? And that clip uh, was actually featured in the Bitcoin Cash podcast intro, In 2022 from 2021. Uh, Anyway, uh B. Cashy reposted it. Then one of the guys from Swan quoted it and said, Is this true? He thought it this had been invented. (laughs) And one of the other guys said, I don't think anyone has ever said this, or at the very least, no one believes this. And then he's and then it was replied that no one in the team has said it is a possibility. But where does the certainty about their beliefs come from? (laughs) And, like, they – so these two dudes are just, like, they're on the SWAN team confused, wondering how we've cooked up this fake discussion of them and, uh, you know, of them admitting that BCH is actually more of a threat to the system than BDC. So I got in there and replied and said, guys, we've we've got all the receipts, Uh, and I linked them to, firstly, the recording – which they don't have anymore because they deleted it. That was the whole point. They did this debate with Kim. They got absolutely wrecked. Then they deleted their own debate, or they edited it to cut out the section with Kim because they were so embarrassed about it and because they got wrecked that hard. They deleted it, and now two years later or three years later, they can't even believe that it ever even existed. But at the time, the BCH community rescued the content. And I reviewed the entire debate on this show on episode 12. If you look back, you'll see episode number 12 is called Uh Let me see here. I'm just loading up the title of it. It's called censoredkim.com BCH versus BDC debate commentary. So you can go back and listen to this episode in full to hear the full debate and my commentary at the time. And if you're new to the show and you have only been listening a while, go listen to something like that. And you'll be like fucking banger, like the B- BCH narratives have not changed. And the BDC all completely contradictory and falling in on themselves as per usual. Um, but anyway, it's just so incredible that the how deluding of yourself is just happening at multiple levels. They were arguing for the banksters in their clip. They got wrecked by Kim.com. Then they deleted it and censored it and tried to cover it up. And now they can't even believe that any of that ever happened. Like, it's just so much delusion. It's crazy, right?
1: There was a moment where I thought I that we were confusing this with the Mark Cuban, like pro-BCH thing when he's talking about St. Kitt's adoption. No, um, no, no.
0: That was a different thing.
1: Yeah, no, I realize that now. But there was like a moment where I was like, I think they might be right. And then, you know, after I double checked that, I went to that that thread and was like, wow, it's been three days and no one has said anything after they've posted evidence. Okay. Yeah, they didn't reply. everything. They didn't they, reply yeah. at all. Amazing.
0: They didn't like that just, I don't know, they didn't block me or anything. So they might have muted me, but really it's just... When your L's are that big, there's like anything that they say is just adding fuel to the fire and them trying to sort out this cognitive dissonance of like, guys, is that right? Did did we delete our own debate that we got wrecked on? (laughs) I can't even imagine those guys trying to sort it out amongst themselves.
1: Anyway, that's... uh, you know, collapsed BDC lives as per usual. We've got a message. The, oh, go on. On. We've got a comment in the chat here from the glitch. Speaking of Kim, what was his killer app? He never really came through on that, which was disappointing. I'm pretty sure that's cash rain, right?
0: Yeah. Well, he had two, he had one that he said was going to be file shop, right. which was going to be like a sort of, Hey, to unlock Google drive, IPFS type of content that never really came to pass. So yeah he just sort of didn't deliver on that the other thing was cash rain which exists and you can try it out go to cashrain.com it took him longer than he you know sort of initially said but he did actually deliver it and it's still in live beta and it works it's not taking over the world just yet but it's still a pretty decent app and it goes to show that he does have his own bch devs and he made it and it works and it's been useful for some things. So yeah, it hasn't taken over the world yet, but it it exists. cashrain.com Check it out. And we've covered it uh several times on this on this show at different points. Okay. Well that will pretty much do it except for message to the community. Do you have a message to the community you want to give?
1: Uh, go to bliss. I'll see you at Bliss. If you want a better message, I'll talk to you at Bliss. (laughs)
0: there you go you gotta rock out to bliss and my message is uh i'm glad that we finally got eric to pay a little bit of attention and there'll probably be more of other people will start to get the drift that they need to look into the bch community either as a direct or indirect result as this kind of plays out so really just be excellent set the standard for bch very high because public interest is going to be growing so wherever possible don't just be trying to do dunks and arguing and anything salty being reactive or emotional i understand some of the time you need to make some points like if they say you're always shitting on bdc like don't say no i never did because that's not true just say the truth say yeah i did a bit but that's you know that's not that's not really all of what I'm doing. That's just something I have done in the past. Yes, uh, but I also talk a lot about BCH. Have you looked into any of that? You know, do you know all the exciting stuff that's going on in BCH? And just keep it focused on being positive and forward-looking for us, because people are now starting to come to us. You know, we had to go out there and stir up some shit. Back when everybody was trying to ignore us, but that's the you know, the worm has turned. People are people are starting to come to BCH now. So we're in the luxury position of being able to say, Yeah, cool, come in, be a part of this, take a look at what we're what we're doing. And some people will love it and will jump in and contribute. And if they put in a lot of Lindy and they're not out there rugging and scamming, great. And if they are coming in and they're trying to cause trouble, then just say, look this is bitcoin cash is not about that it's not about whatever bullshit you're trying to pull here and we're not interested just go do it somewhere else and just very politely try and exclude them from the discussion and from the the community because you get what you tolerate right so i'm gonna uh, just try and tolerate the good ones
1: I want to tag onto that. You said the be great. So there's a guy that I've been following since probably before I got into cryptocurrency, like 2015, maybe 2014. Uh, His name's Eric July. I'm sure some of our listeners are going to be familiar with him. He's recently been doing comic books, which is not really where my interest is, but um, probably around 2016, he was uh, putting out music with a band called Backwards. Now, Eric is a libertarian, anarcho-capitalist, and all of the music that he has written also kind of has that message. But there's one song, um, I think it's just called Be Great. Go check it out. Uh, And if you like it, you know, check out the rest of the catalog because all of the lyrics are kind of in that, you know, self-ownership, accountability trying to make the world a better place and reduce the state so
0: yeah exactly all right that'll pretty much do it for the show thank you to our donators thank you to our patrons ricky hp and digital checko thank you to our sponsors general protocols check out bchbull.com flipstarter is coming i didn't have time to do it this week but uh now i've delivered that tap swap thing as well too so that will be coming. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Check out the start guide, FAQs, and links at www.bitcoincashpodcast.com. If you're new, listen to episode 85. If you need a BCH wallet, try Celine Wallet at selene.cash. If you want to come meet everyone and get involved in it, 14th and 15th of May, in slovenia uh bliss www.bliss.catch really make sure you get the www dots in there i still need to fix the dns haven't had time for that and uh final shout outs jet any final shout outs
1: oh so i want to give a shout out to uh john moriarty i am blanking out on what his youtube channel is bitcoin out loud bitcoin out loud yeah um yeah, that's how you don't need to talk about why, but shout out to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> My shout
0: out goes to Eric Wall, mate. I hope I hope you're hearing this. I hope you've watched this episode of the show, thought it over a little bit, and I'm sure we can be much more civil now. If you're willing to engage, then I don't need to troll you so much. But if I knew any other way to do it. I would have, but the, the nice, polite, friendly, let's have a discussion way wasn't working and didn't seem like it would ever work. And uh, I'm sure you're aware that you had a lot of copes and, you know, false beliefs into the mix as well too. So got, you've got, through, got through a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it. And, uh, also we're in a better, we're in a better spot now too, on the BCH side. So, Very glad to be able to have some dialogue with you. And uh, anytime you want to be part of the real Bitcoin, still here waiting for you to, to get involved. All right, that'll do it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Until next time.